Welcome to Noble with Jason Noble, the podcast where we talk about HR and career issues. I'm your host, Jason Noble. We're here to share funny and interesting stories and advice in a transparent and down-to-earth approach. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Noble Podcast. I'm Jason, your host. A recent article in Business Insider talked about loneliness in Gen Z and how it's becoming a problem. In a 2021 survey by Cigna, 79% of Gen Z reported feeling lonely. That's compared to about 41% for seniors 65 plus. Who is Gen Z? These are people born between 97 and 2012. Currently, they range from 11 to 26 years old. Those who are working full-time likely started around the time COVID happened. They don't really know what it's like to work in an office full-time, having spent two of the past three years working under COVID rules and likely 100% remote. Sure, who wouldn't love not having a commute, but the downside is that it's led to loneliness. They feel isolated sitting inside alone all day except for Zoom calls, and they're missing out on professional development and promotions. It's become a challenge to stay connected with coworkers and build meaningful relationships. They've become more socially isolated. Unaddressed loneliness can have serious consequences on your mental and physical health. Today, we're talking with Coach Lee Hopkins. Lee is a social connections and business culture coach. He helps people experience the joy of connection, community, and camaraderie in their personal and professional lives. Lee, welcome to the Noble Podcast. Thank you so much for having me here, Jason. I'm glad to be here to talk about this particular topic. This is, this is great. So I, I know you have an interesting story. Maybe you can share with our listeners a bit about yourself and how you came to be a coach. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, the loneliness epidemic had happened way, way before the pandemic started. I've been living it my entire life. I've been trying to connect with people and I watched other people make friends and I wondered what was wrong with me. And I figured that was that I just wasn't in the right place to meet the right people. So what I did as a kid and as I got older into my teenage years and then finally to college, I figured, well, I just need to find my tribe. I used to go out there into the world and find the people that really resonate with me. And I went from this place to that place, from Ohio to California to Chicago, where I am, looking for those people. And I realized that, well, those people really aren't outside of me. There were some social skills that I was missing to make these authentic connections that everybody was talking about. And I just never heard, um, I just never experienced myself. And so I figured that it was me, I was the problem. And I went to therapy to learn more about myself and how to connect with myself. I learned that I had my own feelings and so did other people. And that started me on my journey towards making those authentic connections, understanding more about me and then sharing them with other people. And since I discovered that about myself, I've been out in the world trying to make my own connections. But when I first discovered I could connect to myself, understand more about what it was that I want, articulate that to another person. I tried doing that to other people or with other people to make that connection, but others were just not able to do the thing. Although I know that they wanted the connection. So that started to yell my journey towards really realizing that well, people really need to be taught the skill of making connections because it isn't really taught. It's just assumed that if you're sitting in place with a person or if you're going to class with them, you're going to develop a friendship. But no one tells you how to do it intentionally or with style like I do. 
And, and it, not, not only that, but, you know, we both know because we're a little older, but, you know, when you're younger, uh, you're trying to build your social circle. So it's important to meet as many people as possible and be friends with as many people as possible. And, and so you try and build connections, but, you know, as, as we know, many of them are not really authentic. There, you know, some of them are, some of them are. Talk to me a little bit about that. Well, as a person who was not authentic, I, I look back and I tried really hard to, to be authentic. And even the definition of authentic really is confusing for a lot of people. And, and so to bring clarity to it and what I, what I do is to say that authenticity is to share how you feel without consideration to how other people are going to respond to you. So we naturally do that. We're, we're out into the world and we want to share things that bring us joy. And then people reject us and they're like, oh no, I'm not a part of this group. I'm a social outcast. I can fix that. And so what I did when I kept getting rejected, because I was talking about things that people didn't understand or were interested in, I got rejected. I just tried to fit in. So my authentic self was to talk about those things that are fun, interesting, important to me that just disappeared. So like fit into this group and circle. And I started to realize, well, okay, I can kind of get away with that for a little bit. And so that's what I would do for most of my time. I just feel like, oh, well, I'm going to share nothing with these people. And they catch on to that. And then I get kicked out in the social circle because I'm not being a real. I'm not being authentic. I'm being fake, essentially. But I don't know what else to do. And so, you know, that's something that just continues to happen or continue to happen as a young adult. And then as an adult in my in my life, I'm like, well, what do other people want? How are they behaving? I need to fit in. And that narrative was a part of my reality and towards making friendships with other people. It wasn't a real authentic friendship because my life experience has been, you're going to get rejected and talk about those things that are important and interesting to you. And you have to fit in. You have to be around people. When you're working, your network is your net worth. You want to be around people that can support you and want to go out with people. You want to talk about stuff with people. So don't be yourself. That's essentially what mm -hmm. I understood about the world. Don't be yourself or you'll lose those people. They're not going to hang out with you. You've got to reject you. And, and, and to your point, that, that's, the, that's the thing is, again, going back is when you're younger, you want to be, you want to have a large social circle. You know, I, I, you know, I, as you get older, you yeah. start to care less. You Absolutely. really want, like for me and, and other people, it's, it is about really spending time with the people that matter most to you, mm -hmm. that you can be yourself, you can be authentic. But when you're young, what, what sort of advice would you have for people who, you know, want to have a, 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 a social circle, you know, I wouldn't say large, but a decent social circle, but also be themselves. Like, how do you go about doing that? Well, that's a really great question, Jason, because one of the things that we don't get told about friendships really is that there are different levels of friendships. We're so quick to say, you are my best friend or you're my bestie or I want to be good friends with you. No, don't, don't do that. You reserve that spot for people who really know you deeply and truly. Yeah. Just because you like the same kind of music is not going to make that happen. So what I'd like to share with people who are looking to create those social circles is recognize that everyone can't be all things to you. And some people are going to do some things that will really help you be understood. Like you can go play basketball or baseball together. 
You probably can go out together to movies or shows, but you're not always going to like the same things. They might not be capable of understanding you deeper. And if you try to push that on them, you're going to hurt your friendship. If you recognize that they are those people that you go out with to dinner with and talk a few things about and you spend a few hours with and that's it, then you can have your social circles. If you put people where they belong in your life, then you won't have a problem with having more people. But I think even from the very beginning, even when we're kids, there are only a few people that can really know us and understand us deep. And as we get older, we have less and less time to, to hang out with those people who don't know us as well. So we focus yeah. on those people who really do know us deeply and we spend more time and attention there. But as you're younger, go out and have fun and don't expect too much from too many people and you will have a great time. So I come from, so I'm, I'm Gen X and you know, when I started at work, it was in the office five days a week. Uh, you know, you, you met people. Well, the, it is what it is, but you know, I was in the office five days a week. You met people because you were in the office every day and you would go for coffee. You would go for lunch. That's how you would build relationships at work. There would be project work as well. You would collaborate closely with, and you would see these people either, if not on a daily basis, then at least a couple days or on a weekly basis. So, you know, as a recruiter, like I hear candidates tell me remote or hybrid working is important to them. And the less they spend in the office, the better. And I see that, I don't know, maybe, maybe I'm wrong, but I see that as being a challenge in terms of forming relationships with people, strong relationships with people. And maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it's different today. Can you talk a little bit about that in terms of how would you go about forming? What, what do you see in, in your experience? How do people go about forming strong relationships if they're working remote or in the office a day or two a week? Yeah, it, it's, it is really tough to your point, because I think that the, the way we connect or the way we experience people is certainly through the five senses, the sight, sound, taste, touch, smell. <laughs> And if you can, the more of those senses, really, the more of those senses that you have with another person, the better and easier it feels to connect. So I'm in your presence and I get all five of those senses. But right now we, we know each other. We're having a great conversation with each other, but we only get the, the hearing. We only get the, the seeing each other. We don't get the other pieces. We're missing out on them. And subconsciously it affects us. It really does. I'm not a therapist. I'm not a scientist through my discoveries about what makes connection. Yeah. And so I want to say that that is, a, that is a factor, but it doesn't make it impossible for us to make those connections because we're still talking and we still are able to form meaningful relationships with people over the internet because we do have a bit of communication. Whenever you can communicate with someone, you can connect. And so what I'd like to share is that, well, when you're looking for those connections via workplace or be a virtual workplace, you don't really have an opportunity to go up to someone and say, hey, this is who I am. I want to introduce myself. Let's have a conversation because when they long off, they're gone. It's like out of sight, out of mind. But we'd like to stay on top of mind with people by sharing more about who we are. And know it gets kind of scary at workplace. Traditionally, we're not supposed to talk about the things that we really feel and we're supposed to just kind of suppress our emotions, at least traditionally, what I've discovered when I was in the workplace, 
you know, talk about how you feel separate business from, from personal life. And today, I don't think that is the norm. Now, I think we're really working towards, especially millennials and Gen Z are working really towards bringing their full selves to work. And with that, so make these meaningful connections. I think it's very important to share something about who you are with other people. And it's not sharing your deepest, darkest traumas or anything like that. You don't save that for your real friends. You can't be everything to everybody, especially your coworkers. They don't need to know that stuff. No, <laughs> no verbal diarrhea. You can't just like, yeah. Just in case. No, no, no. Can't do that. No, no, no. <laughs> no, it makes people and, uncomfortable. Don't do that, please. Yeah. And you don't want to talk at them either. You really want to share no. something that's important and interesting yeah. to you. And this is what I share with all my clients. It's something that's really actionable. You share something important and interesting to you, which is a hobby. It's just something, a hobby that you like to do. If you don't know what those are, go back, go back to stage one or step one and figure out something about yourself before you try and connect with another person. But share a hobby with them and talk about more about who you are and what you do. Invite that. And it's not necessarily you questioning them either, but it's you inviting them to know more about you by sharing. And when you start doing that, people are going to pick up on it and they will feel safe and comfortable to share with you. And you can start that connection. Make sure that you share something that's joyful and important to you. Joyful and important because we want to cut past the small talk. We don't have time for chit chat because once they log off, we don't see them again. Yeah. We want to make sure that you share something joyful and important. And that joyful and important thing is just a hobby. It really is. Collecting Pokemon cards, photography, swimming, yoga. Whatever it is that you do, share that with them outside of work. Who collects Pokemon cards? <laughs> I don't know. Ah, <laughs> uh, my kids used to. But anyways, just to, just to your point, you know, like maybe I'm old school, but like to me, there's nothing quite like, you know, being live in front of someone else and having a conversation like you and I have chatted a few times. It would, the, our conversation, I think our, in our interaction would be completely different. I think it would like elevate to another level. If you and I were like in a bar right now, having a drink, whatever it is, having a coffee and just in person, it is, it is so different just having that face-to-face -face interaction versus video. So where I'm going with this is, and maybe you've, maybe you have coached your, your clients on this. But I really believe in companies bringing people together, your, the employees together at least once a year, ideally more than once a year so that you can build that in-person connection that then translates into hopefully a stronger social or professional connection down the road, you know, beyond just seeing one another on, on video, you know, on Zoom calls. I do like the idea, as I said, those five senses really connect you with the other person. And so I do like the idea of bringing your, your team together once a year or sooner, either, either quarter. But here's the thing that I think about these events is that they, they're directionless and they're aimless. They just sit us in the room together and they don't really prompt us to learn anything new about each other. They just say, well, you've known me for several months. I've seen you inside a magic box and we've been talking to each other and now get to know each other without any direction, without considering the social anxiety 
without considering that we don't have the skills to talk to each other the way we did before, or we were forced to. I know in your generation, you asked people to go out to date. You don't text them. You talk, you talk to them. And so they did the generation too. That's you talk to people. But I did. Yep. And you faced rejection right on. And it's terrifying now because we had so many layers of rejection or things that stop us from really feeling rejection. So via text message or we'll see a, a somebody's Snapchat or we'll see somebody's um, uh, Facebook page and they're in a relationship with somebody else, but they didn't tell us. And so we get rejected that way but we don't get it right to our face. And so the almost anxiety about meeting somebody in person and what that might feel like doing it right, seeing it right, or reject me or anything like that. Yeah. So I like the idea of bringing people together, but there's no real consideration of how anxiety producing that could be for anybody who's just been away, not talking to people, haven't ever had to have that kind of connection this Generation Z, this Generation Z, haven't had to have that to face that rejection or deal with people right up front. Yeah. I don't know the mannerisms of how to be in this place. So with those events, I, I think there should be a piece of an educational session consideration for that and make it last for more than a day. I would, I would say a couple of days, a week, a weekend, nobody wants a weekend. Nobody wants to work on a weekend. Forget I said that, scratch that. <laughs> but I mean, a couple of days at the very least to get comfortable with it. Yeah. To get, to get the shock of jumping in the cold water and then realizing that it's okay. So I, I know you offer social connections coaching. I want to talk a little bit about that. Can you tell us what is social connections coaching? What's the goal? Well, I, I help people make more meaningful connections in their personal and professional life. And those meaningful connections to me is being able to share how you feel with another person. So I'm looking at the very close, close relationships. And along the way, I teach you how to create those close, close relationships. But along the way, you're going to get people who really can't understand you, can't understand how you feel about your world or your experiences, or habits. They're not going to understand you too deeply, but they're still going to be great people to hang around. So lots of social skills, opening up the conversation, managing your emotions, talking about things in an authentic way without scaring people away, without putting too much burden or emotion on them to take care of you. So let's talk a little bit about how that applies at work, because usually you don't have a choice who to work with your, yeah. you know, your, your teammates, <laughs> or there's people in another, like if you're working on a project, you're assigned to it. So some there's, there's going to be friction. Sometimes it's, that's normal. Talk to me a little bit about how your social connections coaching, how would that apply in a workplace environment? Oh, absolutely. You, you said it perfect. You can't choose who you work with. You're just sitting next to this person <laughs> who has this attitude that I'm here for the paycheck. I would be friendly, but I'm not going to be your friend. And you are busy trying to do the best that you can with your job, but you might feel a bit lonely outside of work and you want to talk and you want to be connected to people and they're just not having it. So what do you do about things like that? How do you connect with people who are feeling the same way or from the same background? So this is what we work on. It's especially effective and helpful with DEI initiatives, diversity and inclusion initiatives, because people have come from different backgrounds. And companies have hired you because you're the best and the brightest and you all want, they all want you to work together. They all want you to be that brain trust. That's going to do something great for the company. 
But if you're a human who doesn't trust that other human who's here just to get a paycheck and not necessarily make friends, you're not going to be able to open up. You're not going to be able to get the best ideas. You might be afraid to bring yourself to the table or they're not interested. You've got a mental block up and they're not interested in knowing what you are, what you're bringing to the table because of who you are. So what we do in social connections coaching is really understand what's going on with us first, how we're feeling. I do a lot of emotional work. So it's all about understanding how you're feeling in the space and being able to communicate that in a way that is non-threatening, that is maybe not non-threatening, but more so connecting and understanding of the other person and where they're coming from. Because I've noticed in my own journey and working in the corporate atmosphere that there have been things that have scared me and intimidated me that come off as a really terrible and uh, not nice person to work with. And it's simply because I was afraid. I was afraid that I'm in the space where I'm the only black person and there's nobody in my family who's never been, who's ever been in a, a corporate work environment and nobody should really lean on and feeling like I need to do more than everybody else and this and that. And understanding that emotional piece about me helped me communicate better with my coworkers and realizing that they're not the problem. So a long roundabout way to answer your question about social connections, coaching is really helping you as the employee understand what triggers you have and your emotional management. So how you share that with other people. And since we're in a work environment, we want to make sure that whatever you do and how you experience or how you express yourself um, coincides or aligns the goals of the company. So recognizing when it does and when it's appropriate to say and how you want to connect with the coworkers. But when it doesn't, you have other people to take that to. So it's, it's companies will hire me for people at work. But the social connections, the coaching at large, it extends to outside of work too, because you can't talk about everything and how you feel at work, but you do need somebody to unload or to connect with outside of work who's willing to support you. And so it works in both, both cases. So you, you help people navigate interpersonal dynamics when, so, so basically if there's, if there's someone, like you said, who there's tension in the workplace, I guess, for lack of a better word, how to go about mm -hmm. navigating through that, how to go speaking to someone and trying to, to bring that, that tension down so that you can actually have a conversation. You may not be the best of friends, mm -hmm. but it, it may help you engage the other person in a way that you can get stuff done. It actually makes better conversation, maybe helps the team environment. That's what it sounds like you, you help with. Yeah. Absolutely. And I'm really concise way to reflect that back to me. You nailed it. And I, I'd also like to look at the other part of it because there's, you know, tension, but there's also joy and there's also excitement yes. to know each other. Yeah. And we want to eliminate the, the, even the idea of the, the risk of the mitigation and mitigate the tension that might come up if we just really open up, talk about who we are and not yeah. hide so much of ourselves. I found that that's really been effective 
with me and talk about what's real and true and important hobbies with other people and people can catch on. They'll, they'll feel comfortable yeah. and then we won't have so much tension because they feel like they know me. Yeah. And especially in a, in a virtual environment, like it's so easy to lose context when you're texting someone because mm -hmm. you don't know the context, you don't know the tone, something that could be innocent could come out sounding like, like you're a, like someone's an a-hole, you know, it's, it's yep. just, it's, it's all how someone interprets it. And it, it may not have been meant that way. So it can, it can easily turn, I guess, a, a good relationship into bad. So, Absolutely. So you got to be really careful. Yes. And, you know, I think it takes a skill too. If we notice that, we should be able to share that. Like, oh, this is what I thought you meant. Yeah. Is it? And then clear that up before it gets yeah. to a point where we're really sending emails back and forth to each other, copying our boss and saying this and that and getting <laughs> all kinds of office yeah. politics into it. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, the, uh, how you help is, you know, it is, I, I can, it is very valuable because people can easily go from zero to a hundred in a virtual environment because Absolutely. things can easily get misconstrued. Oh yeah. I, I read this one sentence that she said in my email and I'm, I'm hearing it in like, my head and I'm so angry. Yeah. Yes. Like, yeah. I can't believe they said it's all triggered. <laughs> oh my goodness. I'm triggered. Like, oh, okay. Fine. When you get, when you get to my age, it's like, oh, whatever. I don't care. I'm not triggered. I, I really don't care. Yeah. I have better things to worry about, but that's me. <laughs> That's when, when you see, when you get older, you get wiser. <laughs> not, not necessarily. I think you just calm down. You just think, uh, I've got better things. I've got other things to worry about. So, so we're just going to segue into what I call the noble round. That's just a couple of, uh, quick Q and a, so I see you were involved in Toastmasters. Were you a naturally comfortable public speaker or did that involve, sorry, did that evolve from your experiences? Um, naturally comfortable. I'm trying not to laugh here. Because I, I ran off stage when one of my first speeches, I was like, I just can't do this. And I, I ran. Really? Off. Yeah. I, so I don't know if you're familiar with Toastmasters out there who's listening, but generally you get a five to seven minute speech, you meet once every two weeks or so, and you get together for about an hour. And I was slated to give a speech during my lunch break at a corporate club. And I was just like, you know, there's no rules. You can essentially read the speech if you need to. You can do whatever it is. And it wasn't a large group of people. I think there was just five people in the room. And I was getting ready to start my speech. And I was just like shaking so much. And I was just so just exhausted and overwhelmed and afraid that I just like, mm -mm. I started to say something like 30 seconds into it. And I was like, I'm off the stage. I'm done. I can't yeah. do this today. And I sat yeah. down and I was just like, but you know what? Let's just say something about Toastmasters got an evaluation because after every speech, you get an evaluation. Someone tells you what you could improve and things that you've done well. And I thought for sure that I wasn't going to get an evaluation or anything, but somebody came up and they gave me an evaluation saying that, well, at least you got up here. It's hard, but at least you got up here. At least you did that. And that was something that I carried with me for, for a while. Cause now I, now I do it all the time. I speak all the time. But it was not very, natural. very natural. I can see not like, natural. yeah, you, you've, <laughs> you've gone from zero to a hundred. You're very natural, comfortable speaker. Yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah. 
So what, what do you like to do for fun? Oh, I love board games. I, I really like to play board games. Zool, A-Z-U-L is one of my favorite ones. It's a non-threatening kind of, you take the square strategic spacing game. Uh, you take the square, put it somewhere before someone else can. It's like kind of blocking people's moves. Ticket to Ride is, is one that's really fun too. And then they also like, there's a game called Werewolf that I like where you, it's like a role-playing game where you kind of have to hide who you are and, and play the part of the person. And there's somebody who's trying to figure out who you are. So just don't give up yourself. But I think those are a lot of fun. Do you have any events going on right now? Yes, I do. I have one called the Healthy Boundaries Workshop. It's, it's about navigating relationships with confidence. So boundaries really aren't rules that we place upon other people. We tell them how we are, they are going to behave. We don't tell people what they're going to do because they're just going to double down and do what they want to do. So when we're creating boundaries, we want to make sure that we talk about things that we are going to do and how we're going to behave in certain situations. They always come from an eye place. I like to say that they're the sheep of you. So I'm a boundary course or a boundary workshop that's happening December 23rd at M 10.30 a.m. Central Standard Time. So come check that out. Okay, perfect. Thank you. I'm going to put it in the show notes, but how can people reach you? Oh, yeah. You can reach me at patternsofpossibility.com. That's my website. And I also have a link tree at Patterns of Possibility. And all my social media, it's Patterns of Possibility. I'm most active on TikTok, and so you can find me there and also on LinkedIn. Okay, sounds good. Lee, I really, really appreciate your time. Thank you so much. Yes, I'm really glad to be here, Jason. I had a really wonderful time chatting with you. Thanks for having me again. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please like and rate us and spread the word. Do you have any questions or suggestions, or are you an HR leader that has great stories and advice to share? Then send me a note at podcast at noblesearchgroup.com. That's podcast at n-o-b-l-e searchgroup.com.